Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And like I was telling our folks, the OGs, if you will, of of Know Your Risk Radio, the three-minute intro crowd in Seattle, what I was telling them is what you are seeing this week, what you are seeing today is really what we've been talking about all year. Um, you know, there was a lot of false dawn talk, a new bull market is emerging, the market is bottomed. Now, we still have the lows of the year right below us. So if we're going to move lower, obviously, you got to push through those. But you know, I think it's all academic at this point, guys, based on rate movements. So we're, well, rate movements, rate of the economy slowing down. Um, it's just the like we've been saying pretty much all year, there's just, there's nothing good to point to. And the troubling part about that is you still have a market at above long-term, you know, above average valuation. You're not sky high. I think in this market, you're sky high in this economy, you're sky high, but stock prices and asset prices are still not reflecting what's happening. And so Today, we're going to break, like I said, we're going to do the market update. But the other thing that I want to focus on, too, is geopolitical issues. Because right now, our economy, and, 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 and rightfully so, you know, we're the biggest economy in the world. But I think that we're really underplaying how much the world has changed and evolved since the last real market, you know, since the last real bear market, since the last real economic, you know, period of economic strife hit, 08, 09. You know, right. A lot of things have changed. Um, And, you know, if you look at the S&P 500, don't quote me, but I want to say something like 10 to 15 percent of their revenues 30 years ago came from overseas. Something like that. Again, don't quote me. That could be off. No angry emails. And just so you guys know, I am I am recording from Palm Springs today. This is Friday. Again, I told our people on the three minute intro in, in Seattle this uh, we recorded the show. I had to come down for a business thing um, Friday, and so I had to cancel the interview. We've, we, we're, we're doing it again next week. But I'm recording from uh, uh, an associate of ours studio down here in Palm Springs, and uh, that's the other thing. If I sound weird, it's because I'm not wearing headphones. I've never recorded a show without headphones, so so bear with me here. Um, anyway, so the the three things that like i said we want to focus this show around is obviously the market update a lot to talk there but china and the geopolitical situations in europe and how they're going to impact us going forward and then also i think it's a really you know for 7 years or so 6 and a half years i've been railing on the federal reserve um i don't want to be a hypocrite because for the majority of that 7 years i was lambasting them for having artificially low interest rates and being way too accommodative but what you're seeing now I think will illustrate why that was my posture, why I was frustrated with them and and we'll explain. So anyway, let's get in the market update. So we all know, or we should know by now the fed raised rates another 75 basis points. Um, and I just look in this morning again, this is Friday. Just look in this morning at, at the impact that's having, uh, the 30-year mortgage, last quote I just saw, just jumped up to just shy of 6.7. I think it was 6.68, something like that on the 30-year. Uh, two-year government treasury paying now 4.2%. By the way, if you're a home gamer, you're sitting at home, you got a pile of cash or you're freaked out, uh, I love the two-year treasury right here at 4.2%. I think that's going to be a wonderful place to ride out this storm. Um, and then at some point, not only are you collecting that 4.2%, but when you look at what's going on economically, I feel very strongly that in the next six to eight months, the fed's going to have to start cutting, if not sooner than that. Um, and, and we, I I don't want to, we we're dedicating a whole segment of the show to the fed. So I don't want to front run that. Um, but 
I yeah, I just it's an interest rate story at this point. The dollar is skyrocketing. The dollar hit, I believe the dollar index hit 113 today, which is the highest level I've seen it at since I've run a portfolio. I've been managing an active portfolio now for 15 years. Um I <laughs> It's ugly, guys. And if you think that you're riding out the worst of this right now, you're just not. You're just not. Er Earnings estimates have to come way down. Okay. When you, I I want you to stop and and you're like, Zach, you don't know. Okay. Let's stop and take a look at something right now. Okay. So new home sales data just came out the other day and it's at the lowest level. It's basically at the same level we were at in May of 2020. Okay. Think about that. Right, The Fed's rate hikes up until this point have had the same impact on the real estate market that locking down our entire economy during COVID had. So if you don't think interest rates are a significant player in economics, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, Then you look at the source of liquidity. Now, we're just focused on real estate here. Okay, We'll get to the other stuff. But think of the source of liquidity that home refis have been over the last 15 years, right? Because the, the 30 year, for the last 15 years, the 30-year was not 2.8%, right, or 2.5 or wherever it bottomed. I think 2.6, 2.7 was the lowest it got. That wasn't the average, right? They slowly drifted down. What does that mean? You had a constant impetus underneath homeowners to refi at lower rates, rates, lower their monthly payment, pull a little cash out, buy the kid the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, maybe remodel the back deck, right? That game is over. Nobody's refining and going from 2.8 or 3, 3% or 3.2 to 6.7. Now, I'm, maybe there's somebody that will, right? But I, I realistically, this sounds crazy, but I realistically expect to see refis down 95, 96, 97% this year, right? Think of the mortgage brokers. Think of the realtors, right? The other side of it, that's just Fed policy, guys. That's just rates here in the United States. The ECB is raising rates, right? They're following suit. Most of the developed economies are as well. On top of that, like I said, you got the dollar shooting to 113 now. Um, and we're, and that's why we're going to have a segment based on geopolitics, because if, if, if the dollar stays in this neighborhood, forget going higher. If the dollar stays in this neighborhood, there are going to be secondary and third order impacts, right? There just are. And I think one of the things that people are going to start picking up on is the fact that this was the longest bull market on record here in the United States And the only period of time in human history where rates were truly at 0%, people will point to 1941, post-World War II, but we were on a gold standard then, guys. And so it's really really hard to compare those two. Um, But I think people are going to start waking up to the idea of, hey, there was a lot of nonsense that's gone on when rates are at 0%. Shocker, right? Debt's free, so people might lever up too much? No, they, they wouldn't do that. Okay, now what happens when you've got to go refinance that debt at more than double the rate you were paying? It, it's just, so the people, yeah, it's just a very, very clear picture right now, and it just isn't good. And for those of you that think we're close to a bottom in equities, okay. I really don't think so, and I think we're about ready to push lower. And to me, now again, guys, it's not actionable, and I'm not telling you to make certain trades because that would be irresponsible. But you know, th- this is not a time to be trying to pick a bottom. This is not a time to be thinking that that rates are going to slip. Now, one of the arguments you might hear is that an ancillary benefit from what's going on is energy prices are going to drop. Um, I actually think that complicates things in the longer run, okay? Whatever new supply was coming online for nat gas and oil, it ain't now. Not with crude now at 78. You, you, you can't go out there and drill wells that are profitable at these levels. 
So I think you're just backlogging the energy problem. We've been saying that for quite some time. Um, and then, you know, the other side of it, too, is when you see macroeconomic wins like this, historically, you'd expect to see oil more like 50 to 40. You know, we're still we're still bumping up at 80. Right. Nat gas is still extremely elevated. Coal. Right. All these different things. And <laughs> it's just ugly. And I'll say it again. I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't think that this is 0809. I don't think banks are about ready to fold up. I really don't. But at the same time, you've got to you've got to be aware of what's going on because the macroeconomic backdrop, right? 0809, what made that different is basically we were sitting on an atomic bomb, right? The, the, the bad loans, the housing sector, and that blew up and caused all the issues. But until it blew up, things didn't really look bad. This is just a really nasty economic downturn on a global level at a period of time where there's always already tons of strife due to the deglobalization of the, of the, uh, of the economy. And it isn't good. Prices are moving structurally higher. And if this is not a time, I think we've done a pretty good body of work over the last seven years telling you that big issues were coming. You needed to get out of bonds. You need to manage risk. I, if you've been listening to the show and you still haven't called us or called somebody else, guys, quit. Make the call. Our average client today is just about, I, I mean, maybe, maybe today they're down, you know, two-tenths of a percent or something like that because we're hedged up. There's a better way to do this. You don't need to risk your retirement on this whole thing. And hey, if we're wrong and the economic picture looks a little better, fantastic. We'll go back up with them. Whole point is, if you're in retirement or you're about ready to retire, this ain't over. And this could last a lot longer than most people think. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break right there. We're going to be back in our next segment. And we're going to talk about the geopolitical picture and why it's a minefield. That's what we're starting to call it. So as always, guys, if this resonates with you, if you realize, if you're listening to us going, God, these guys have been pretty right on and they were pretty right on about COVID. And again, not sticking our chests out. But if you're still in the 60-40 portfolio and riding mutual funds and you call your advisor today and he tells you, well, just sit tight. Guys, that's the answer you're going to get all the time. Nuclear bombs could be dropping and that's what they're going to tell you. Why? Because they don't have anything else to tell you, right? They're not active managers. They're not risk managers. You need something different. You need something that works better. You need less risk, less cost, and more upside, right? That's right. Less risk and more upside. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter at, at KYR Radio. You guys know the drill. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free book Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. And let's let's get right into it, guys. Um, and just to summarize, if you're joining us late, just to summarize. You know, there's other people that are saying this, so I don't want to make us to be the arbiter, the only people that know what's going on. That's not the case. But what I am saying is that I think if you go back and listen to our work that we did before COVID. If you go back and listen to the show we did, was it on uh, 
was it March 1st, 2019? I want to say on our on our deep research thing we did on Boeing when it was still trading at an all-time high and we were telling people to get out. There's this illusion out there that you can never know what the market is doing and you never and nobody knows for sure. But like I've said so many times on this show, if you're accumulating money, you know, you're 35, 45 years old, I'm actually generally a fan of that whole buy and hold as long as that person continues to put money into their account regardless of what happens because they're buying stocks back at ever lower prices, right? But if you're sitting there right now in retirement or on the edge of retirement, you can't afford what's currently happening. You need risk management. And like I've said before, yeah, do we, did I, was I for certain the market was going to drop this year? No. If I was certain the market was going to, certain, first of all, I don't think that there is certainty in this business. And if you, I, I've, like I've always said, certainty is the hallmark of the charlatan, but it's just about managing risk. We don't know when a crack up is, hap- is going to happen. We don't know when nobody does. Nobody goes when, but what we do know are the conditions in which it happens. And like I've said this on the show before, that's what had me pulling my hair out at the end of last year was rates are going higher. Inflation has become a problem and everybody's sort of just looking past it. Like it's not a huge issue. And you go, Hey guys, why don't we look in the past? Why don't we go back and study some history? What tends to happen? Like I've said a million times, if all you did as an investor over the last 40 years was sell stocks when the Fed began hiking interest rates and buying them when they began cutting, it's not perfect, but you would have smoked the stock market. Okay. When the dollar, now, when you see rates going higher, inflation going higher, the dollar at a 23 year high, you know, the only regret I have this year and the fund that I manage, our, our value fund is down four and a quarter, 4.5% this year, which I'll take it. What's the S&P down now? 22, 23. And I'm not bragging. The only regret I have this year is not stepping on the gas harder on those positions. Now, why didn't we? Because risk management. The whole point of what we do is you should be good regardless of the outcome. You're retired. You're going to be retired. This money's got to support the rest of your life. Right? It's not about getting it perfect. It's about making sure you can still buy Christmas gifts for the kids. Still go on vacation. Keep your vacation home. It's not about maximizing your gains. Now, it's funny. It's like we manage risk properly and avoid the big hits. You'll have better gains over time. But it's amazing to me. You get in these bull markets and everybody's like, I'm afraid. of. Well, if I get defensive here, I'll, I'll miss out on some more money. And you're like, well, you're already up 20% this year. Right? That's, a, that's a pretty good year. And, you know, with some people, it's a lack of understanding. Others, it's a lack of it's, it, it's greed. But anyway, let's let's move into China here because I don't want to. The, the focus it has been economically speaking. And if you listen to Powell talk at the Fed, you'll see this. The focus is on the U.S. economy. One of the biggest issues out there, I think, that people are not paying enough attention to. And this isn't news to regular listeners. But it's the fact that 40% of S&P revenues come from overseas. 40%. That's kind of significant. Right? And look at the, the markets where that's happening. Or look at these markets. Biggest trade markets by far are Europe and Asia for us. Those are also the areas, again, we've, this isn't news to regular listeners. We've been talking about this. Those are the, also the areas who are being impacted hardest by the inflation, hardest by the tightness in commodity markets. And then also being really hamstrung by the dollar going parabolic. And that should be, look, guys, it's not bragging. And I'll be the first to tell you, if you do this job long enough, you're going to get things wrong. What, what, I would like to, what I would like listeners of this show to realize is, you know, how many guys were sitting there for the last couple of years talking about the dollar strength, the dollar is going to rally, oh, the dollar is going to collapse. Hopefully these are all examples of, us really doing our homework versus everybody else just trying to pump out clickbait, you know, or just giving a rudimentary understanding of financial markets and saying, well, the government's printing money and, and all this stuff's going to happen and our debt and the dollar's going to plummet. I think you need to be a little more well-read than that if you're going to manage people's retirement assets. So hopefully we've delineated and, 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 and you know, differentiated ourselves from that, and hopefully we've built some credibility. But as it relates to China, let's move over and talk China and the geopolitical risks now. 
the risk is that to that 40% of revenue. Right now, now look at where the dollar's at, bumping between 112.50, 113 on the dollar index, 30 year mortgage, 6.6, 6.7, somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> think about the expense it would take, or think about what it would cost somebody in Europe or somebody in China or somebody in Japan to buy a U.S. good. Again, I'm going to keep repeating this. Due to the currency fluctuations alone, our goods have gotten 30 to 35% on average more expensive to those parts of the world. Most people buying durable consumer goods, and when I say durable, it's stuff you own for a while, right? A refrigerator, a car, stuff like that, an oven, barbecue, stuff like that. Most people finance those. What's happened to the cost of financing? A lot of those things require commodities uh, as input material. They also require commodities like nat gas and oil to supply the power to the factory that is building the good. You factor all that stuff in guys. And if you're talking about overseas consumers, you're probably looking at 50 to 55% increases on a 14 month basis for them to buy us goods. So, now, I don't think things are rosy <laughs> in our economy, and I don't think you need to look further than the real estate market to see that. But the other side of it is, is they could be okay here in the United States. And once again, asset prices, specifically the stock market, are still not reflecting that. When you got a market trading at 19 to 20 times earnings, what those valuations are telling you is that, is that smooth sailing is ahead. And... I know for a fact there's a lot of you out there listening to the show who've listened for a while. I Actually, we've got stats on it. On average, it takes 16 to 24 months of people listening to the show to give us a call. I think we've got a pretty good body of work. Quit delaying calling us or somebody. Right? What if we are the good guys that we put ourselves out to be? What will you <laughs> And, and I think we are because I, I say, hey, it's not just us that does this, but the way that your money is being managed, guys, I, I, you're just massively exposed. And I keep getting and I, you know, I keep getting off track talking about that because I just want to hammer on that. Look, the one thing I feel very certain is, is that a lot of people are still going to lose a lot of money that we ain't close to a bottom. This still isn't factored in. As a matter of fact, Powell's sitting up there saying basically the other day, we're going to push unemployment, unemployment higher. There's going to be pain. He's saying they're going to hike one or two more times this year. I don't see it. Certainly not too. the economic winds are too nasty, but to tie up what we're talking about on the geopolitical side, the best way that we can sum this up guys is right. It's always the bullet you don't see that gets you. When you see what's happening in rate markets coming out of the longest period of time, 15 years with rates at 0%, okay? When you're coming out of that environment, you know, near record high stock prices here in the United States, right? Debt at low, you know, record government stimulus, all those kinds of things, those things get pulled away. And you're going to see things blow up that nobody's concentrating on. You're going to see things blow up that nobody was counting on. And that's the other risk. And we're going to dig into that more. Stick with us. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back to finish those thoughts. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right. So as always, I, I went a little long and then had to cut things off. We had that hard stop there. But I want to I finish up what we mean by a landmine. What are potential landmines? And as I've said before, I don't think that we're sitting here on the edge of a void about ready to have a market collapse that mirrors that of the Great Depression. I don't think the S&P is going to 1,000, okay? What is concerning in this environment, though, is that at no other time in history, and you can just look at this in terms of trade, right? the S&P overseas revenues have never made up as much of a percentage of total revenues as they do today. And remember, everything works... Right, everything has a reflection point. Remember, one of the things that they used, or they, right, the folks on TV, Bubble Vision, all these characters, one of the reasons, one of the primary things and arguments they were using to justify abnormally high, historically high valuations over the last, certainly over the last three years, but for the better part of this run, truthfully, um, one of the biggest factors they were using to justify that overvaluation was the fact that, oh, yeah, well, you know, and, and here's how it works. Traditionally speaking, looking at the U.S. economy, uh, uh, kind of a healthy middle road is for the stock market to trade at, you know, one time or, or, or the, the stock market to trade at like one times GDP or 100 percent of GDP. Buffett talked about that. You know, when your st- total stock market valuations gets too much higher than the entire gross domestic of a pro- uh, product of, a, of an economy, that's overvaluation. So, you know, in 1929, going into the Great Depression, I believe you hit like 132, so 132%. The stock market was worth 132% of the total size of our economy. In the dot-com bubble, I believe we got to like 135% uh, percent of our total economy. And then like, I want to say it was like 125 to 130 uh, going into the financial crisis. And those were clearly cyclical tops, right? This time, we got as high as 200, 210%. I think we might have even touched like 220%, the stock market valuation to GDP. And everybody said, hey, don't be alarmed about that. It doesn't mean what it used to be because it shouldn't just be a measure of our economy anymore because so much revenue is coming from overseas. Okay, well, if that logic, which there is logic to that point, right? These companies get, you know, you're one of these internet companies, right? You can, you can essentially scale on a global, <laughs> on a global basis almost instantly, right? So there's some validity to that. Well, here's the catch. If it's true on the way up, it's true on the way down. And, and I don't hear enough people talking about this, right? The fact, the, the very thing that supported high valuations in the expansion is the very thing that I think is going to shock people in the pullback, right? Because if we go through a global slowdown, who's going to be impacted more us, Europe or China? They are, they being Europe, China, pretty much everywhere else in the world. Why? couple factors. First of all, our economy is pretty much self-sustainable. Now there might be some pain. There might be periods of inflation, but we basically have all the raw materials, goods, and energy that we need. We can basically self-fund. In addition to that, and this has become a bigger issue by the day, we also have the world reserve currency. So we're not sitting there dealing with all these problems that the rest of the world is with a currency valuation that's also down 35%. Okay? Well, again, what was true on the run-up is now... Why, one of the primary reasons why we think stocks are headed lower and meaningfully lower is for the same reason they had such high valuations. They have never been more exposed to these economies that are not nearly as well positioned to weather the current storm as we are. So what does that mean? It means their revenue stream and their profits are more vulnerable than any time in the past. 
right? You think of the rest of the world as volatility, right? Other, other economies, their currencies, their rates, it's more volatile. Well, so too will be the revenue streams flowing out of those corporations. So, you know, I just think on a valuation basis, you still have significantly farther to go. Um, and, and like I said, the landmine part of this is look at Chinese currency, right? The yuan is now trading. Well, so it's the well, renminbi is the onshore version of the, of the Chinese currency. The yuan is the offshore. But if you look at that, it's spiking. It's, well, it's, it's dropping, now you're up to the highest level you've seen in the last decade in terms of the, the Chinese currency. The offshore version is weakening to the to the lowest level it's been in a decade. Um, remember, every like we've said before, what is everybody's growth plan right, on the S&P 500? It's the Chinese consumer. Well, their purchasing power is dropping as we speak. The other thing that they're staring at in the eyes of is a massive, massive real estate bubble. And again, I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse, but I think we need to put this in perspective. Okay. Our economy is still about 25% larger than uh, China's. It is, you can't even debate this. We have substantially more wealth than they do. Yet at the same time, their real estate sector is worth over $80 trillion. To put that in perspective, ours is about 30. Okay, it's just a massive bubble that the PBOC has inflated. So a disproportionate percentage of Chinese wealth is held in real estate. It's kind of the inverse with us of the stock market, right? The majority of U.S. wealth is held in the stock market. In China, the vast majority of wealth is held in real estate. All right. The only reason they've been able to inflate the real estate so much is because they could keep pitching funny money at it. Kind of like the Fed did here for so many years. Now, the only thing that China had to watch was their currency valuation, but they weren't worried about that because everybody and their mother was moving manufacturing to them. So the inflow of foreign Forex reserves, right, whether it was euros, whether it was yen, the biggest one was dollars. As that river was growing ever larger, they could grow the bubble ever larger. Think of it as a Ponzi scheme because that's essentially the model that their economy works off of, Right. As long as the inflows of those other currencies were coming in, they could inflate those bubbles and throw as much funny money around as they wanted to because then they could take those Forex reserves and they could buy back their own currency in the open market. Well, what's happening to that river of Forex reserves? It's shrinking. A, just due to economic slowdown. B, due to offshoring now of manufacturing facilities the world over. It's not just in the U.S., it's... It's everywhere. We, again, we've talked about this a lot. That to me, and we'll see, I could be proven wrong, but that to me is one of the biggest landmines that nobody is prepared for. And, and, and that is also why I think, you know, I say that I don't think we're on the cusp of a void. Um, that is one risk that we're going to be watching closely because if China is forced to continue to devalue the deflationary waves that that's going to send out through the global economy are just people don't realize that we get a lot of fed for the, or we get a lot of credit to the fed for getting us out of the, of the, the mire that we were stuck in post the financial crisis. But one of the biggest assistants, one of the biggest levers that got us unstuck out of that quicksand or that, that, you know, that mud, that, that mud bog that we got in after the, after the great financial crisis one of the one of the biggest levers, even I, I think probably even more so than the Fed, was the incredible amount of stimulus that China threw into the system. They started building up everything. They started sucking up commodities. That really helped the world recover. Okay, that is not happening this time. They can't. Why do you think they're still on lockdowns? Right, they're, they're, the, the, the flow of foreign currencies going into their economy is slowing. And when, when do Ponzi schemes blow up? Ponzi schemes blow up when inflows, or excuse me, when outflows exceed inflows. That is happening right now. And that's the minefield we're talking about, 
right? Look at Germany, the engine that has driven the Eurozone since inception. I believe it was the only economy in the Eurozone that was a net exporter of goods and had positive trade surpluses, right? Germany's trade surplus has flipped around, meaning they're now bringing, buying more, bringing, spending more money bringing into their economies, paying more money to bring things into the economy than they're getting paid for things they're selling outside of their economy. You could make the argument, I actually think it's accurate, that the only reason the Eurozone is still together is because of Germany's muscle on the economic side, right? Now they're the ones, they're probably getting hit as harder, harder than anybody in the Eurozone. You still have a kinetic war happening up in the Ukraine, right? First kinetic war you've had in, in Europe in 80 years. So, I mean, yeah, this picture economically is not good. It's very ugly. The thing that concerns us is the potential for the minefield, right? For bombs to go off. And they will, guys. I'm just telling you, there's going to be things that happen as secondary effects. Everybody's focused on the unemployment rate and interest rates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those are concerning. Those are problems. But the thing that concerns me the most are the unintended consequences. Like Buffett talks about, right? We find who's been swimming without their trunks on when the tide goes out. Okay, well... The tide was in for the longest period of time ever with the cheapest interest rates in history. I I don't know what's going to blow up. I see a lot of potentials. But your fear is, right, it's not that first impact that we see. It's not the bullet you see that gets you. It's the one you don't see. And and I, I still don't know what that bullet is. I just see a lot of bullets. And I don't see any bulletproof vests around. And so... They're going to be a lot of people. Gay. Okay, it's just like two months ago. There's going to be a lot of people saying, "Oh, the bottom's in." It's a false. You know, it's it's, it's no. These people are too bare. Guys, I just just look at the data. You know, those people have been proven wrong. They've been proven inaccurate. I think we've been pretty spot on. You know, we're not doomsdayers. I just think that this. You still have a horrific need for defense because this can and probably will get significantly worse. And our average client today is still down somewhere between 35 to 5% overall in their portfolios. Stock portfolios have gotten hit a little bit. I think we're down about a point and a half over the last two weeks. So stock portfolios are somewhere between 8 to 9.5 down, depending on how we balance people. But we're kind of pulling steady. We're basically, I mean, we're kind of, again, I have, I'm not looking right now, so always take my performance numbers with a grain of salt, but you know, on a day like today, I think we're just about flat, maybe down 0.1 or 0.2. But it's because of the defense. It's because of the risk management, guys. And if that interests you in this environment, which it should, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You still need to get out of bonds. You need to look at our bond alternative that is up 4% this year, not getting crushed by 20. Guys, there's just... There's a better way to do it. Call us. Call somebody for crying out loud. But do not sit there in a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio and take this on the chin. Okay? There's no reason to do it. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. 
You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, so I want to spend this last segment here talking about Fed policy and talking about the Fed in general. And what spurred this idea for me was I was on a podcast uh, recently. Uh, I was being interviewed for about an hour. And the host of that podcast asked me something that kind of caught me off guard. And he said, Zach, if you were teaching like a homeschool finance class, if you were, if you were instructing parents, what do you think the most important things that people know are? And the funny thing about investing in finance is I don't think it's nearly as siloed, if you will, as most people do, right? I feel like people treat money and finance and economics as kind of this silo over here. Well, now we're going to talk about money. And when you get down to it, right, there's obviously numbers and mathematics and, and wonky stuff involved. But what is it really? Isn't this sort of a study of human behavior? And I, and I think teaching people that, teaching your children that, and, I, and I'll, I'll get into what I mean. I think that's the most important thing. Outside of think for yourself, I tell my kids all the time, think for yourself. Don't just listen to the crowd. The masses are donkeys, right? Throw <laughs> another word there. But I, I think the most important thing is to teach your children cyclicality, that, that this too shall pass, both on the good side and the bad side. Right, That it's never as good. We're never as good as our best press and we're never as bad as our worst criticism. And that applies to the markets too. And I think that what we're seeing right now with the Federal Reserve, not only is it helpful to explain to your kids or to anybody the role that this plays or the role that central banks, especially today, play in markets, but I just think it's one of those valuable times as a parent or a teacher of any kind to merge that and not only teach them a lesson about finance, but teach them a lesson about life. And, and I think the federal reserve is a perfect illustration of this. Okay. So for those of you that have been listening to this show for a while, especially when we first started it, the first several years of the show, at least, <laughs> at least once per show, I would go off on a rant on the federal reserve. And I'd often get the question, Zach, things seem to be going good. The economy seems to be doing well. Stock prices are going up. Why are you ripping on the Federal Reserve? Like, they seem like they're doing a good job. And the answer I always had was, look, I understand that the ramifications at this moment of what they're doing feel positive and feel good. Okay? But what they are engaged in is something in its very nature that is temporary. Right? If your answer to every problem is printing more money and ever lower interest rates, it is simply an eventuality until you run into a problem where that will not work. And one such problem, as the world is referring to, and we talked about this for years, is inflation. When inflation hits, because of what the Fed has done, it's going to be twice or three times more painful than it otherwise would be. And a really simple illustration of that is if you push interest rates artificially lower, what are you doing? You're incentivizing greater levels of spending and greater levels of debt. And we can carry, if we're a corporation or an individual, we can carry greater levels of debt as a percentage of our total asset base or as a percentage of our income because it costs less. Well, here's the problem. What happens when inflation hits? Well, we all know what the Fed's reaction now is to that, if you didn't know before. What is it? It's to increase rates. Okay, well, if you've gone 15 years with artificially suppressed interest rates, basically begging people to lever up to their gills, what do you think is going to happen to the economy when you more than double the expense on that debt in the space of 14 months? Which you have to do, right? Because when inflation rips, we see it. When it goes, it's like a wildfire. It takes off. So you got to suppress it. What happens is, is that medicine, that artificial stimulus, that dope 
right? That morphine that you've been injecting into that client's veins, it now becomes your greatest problem. Because you want to crush an economy, let inflation rip at 10 to 13% for an extended period of time, right? They clearly have to get inflation under, under, under pressure or un- under control. But because of what they've done, because of the road that got us here, as good as it was, right? Longest bull market of all time. Some of the highest stock valuations we've ever seen on, on, multiple, on multiple levels. It was the highest stock valuations we've ever seen. But at what cost? So now the bill is coming due. And this is why I was raging against the Fed. Right? You don't destroy risk. The Fed doesn't step in and start printing money and lowering, artificially suppressing interest rates. And they don't destroy risk. What do they do? They just transform it a little, little and push it further down the road. And now what we're running into right now is we're, we're re- literally running through, beginning to run through, all of the kicking the can down the road. All of the pushing the risk off for a later date. Pushing off to tomorrow what we should have been taking care of today. That's why I was beating on the Fed so long. Right? When you engage in these practices, when you continually stimulate an economy artificially via printed money or stimulus or – I mean we've done it every way possible. Right? There will become a day where you can't and the problem is, is that the economy bakes that into the cake. I was talking – we were ta- talking to Chase Taylor and some friends of his own their own business. And they said, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. Via interest rates alone, the movement in interest rates and the impact it has on our business, that alone is driving us cash flow negative and we might have to shut our doors, right? And getting back to that educational part of it, I think one of the most important things that we should all learn, one of the most important things we should be teaching our kids, and it is absolutely vacant today, is that everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. And it's so unfortunate where policy debates and monetary debates now have become on the Fed because it's like, are we going to do the good thing or the bad thing? And you sit there and go, what a sophomoric way to, to look at that, right? There isn't a good or bad thing. Both things have a cost. What we should be doing is doing a cost-benefit analysis, right? Yeah, is it nice if the Fed jacks rates extra low and buys up bonds and Operation twist, lower the front end, raise the back end, all the different things they did. Yeah, it's, I mean, who, right? Does your kid turn down a king size Snicker bar if you offer it to him? No. They'll follow up asking for a Coke. Right? It's just like the economy. No one's going to turn it. It's, it's fun. Makes things, but what's the cost? Well, Federal Reserve, well, what's the cost for higher sustained unemployment? And I'm like, well, the economy gets lean, it's not real comfortable. People pay down debt, and eventually the economy comes out of it, right? There's a cost for everything. And it's, it's just like, you know, with a lot of other things that are common sense related, I think we can all agree that that's gone out the door. But this is why I was raging against the Fed. And this we've been saying this on the show for years. This party lasts until inflation gets started. And when inflation hits, you're at the end of the road. That's time to pay the piper, baby. Pay the fiddler. Step up there. And, 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 and that cost is rolling downhill right now. And, and the, like I said, the tough thing about it is we're having, because of the acute nature of that, the, those supply shocks and the energy tightness and the acceleration of, uh, of inflation, they're having to raise way faster than they otherwise would. That's the other lesson. Not only will you eventually have to go through it, but by default, by definition, it will be worse. Just like in life, whatever we put off will be worse. I was, I was telling the guys the other day, you know, if you get a client that's freaked out, right, the faster you call them, the better. If you got a client that's mad at you, the faster you call them, because everything you push off, every minute you push it off, the problem magnifies. What, what, what other things in our life get better the longer we ignore them? <laughs> Crickets, right? If you got any ideas, email in. Nothing gets better the longer we ignore it or the longer we push the problem off. And that has been monetary policy for the last 15 years. Oh, no, no. We'll pay for it later. Well, here we go. And then eventually, like I said, it's almost always worse because you get these converging forces because it wasn't just us. 
It was the rest of the world. And the rest of the world doesn't have the same advantages we do. Right. With all the resources and stuff we have in this country, if inflation stays persistently high, we can fill in those gaps. The cost of oil is not going to bankrupt the United States or the U.S. consumer. The cost of natural gas is not going to bankrupt the United States or the U.S. consumer. The cost of timber is not going to bankrupt the United States or the U.S. consumer. There's a lot of places in the world where it will. And oh, by the way, those places do business with us, too. Right. So the lesson out of this and to answer the question that 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 host gave me. On his show, the lesson is, is look at this whole thing. And, and here's my biggest fear, guys. My biggest fear is the story is going to become the market going down. The story is going to become the incredible economic slowdown that's on us right now. The nastiness that's rolling downhill. I feel like it's going to be just like it was in the past. 08, 09, right? Blame the bankers. What about the Federal Reserve? And, and I firmly believe, I've been calling them out for the last seven years saying that this was going to happen. Now I'm sitting there saying they're tightening too fast. Why are they tightening too fast? Why are they tightening too high? Because they believe their academic models. They're looking at things through the rearview mirror. And that's why I think in six to eight months, they're going to have to start cutting. Maybe it'll take 12. I don't think so. But it ain't good, guys. And if you don't have a plan, if you're sitting there going, I should move everything to stock or move everything to cash, some of that's not. But there's going to be incredible opportunities coming in this too. What you need is risk management. What you need is to make sure that regardless of how nasty this gets, you're good on either side. That's what a retirement portfolio should do. That's what we do. That's why our average client's down less than 5% overall this year and it's chilling. We're good. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter, at KYR Radio. I apologize for no interview. We had to do the show from California today, but we have three incredible interviews with great guests coming up the next three weeks. You won't want to miss it. And as always, guys, you can get those on the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Better the subscriber numbers are, the better guests we get on. Anyway, have a great weekend, guys. Manage your risk. This is not over. If you're a home gamer at home managing your own money, get more defensive. This ain't over. We're going lower. Other than that, we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.